gay marriage. A debate on why a man slash woman should not marry the same sex. This MP3 was last updated on October 13th, 2011 at 2.25 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want a transcript of this MP3 in text slash PDF form, please contact me by sending a message on Facebook or contacting Malzeek Productions at maven3 at mail.com. Hi, my name is Wadi Mabin and today I'm going to present you with a thread which started on Jared's thread entitled, Fighting for the Faith, Discussion and Wrestling Match, which is hosted on Facebook's website. Anyway, enough of me talking, let's get started with this. Disclaimer, all the comments made in this MP3 and others are all the original comments made on the thread and also the name of the person who made the comment is the one who made the comment on the original thread. None of the comments are edited in any way whatsoever. Original startup question by Chelsea Towney. I have to be that annoying queer kid that brings this up, so explain to me again why I can't get married to my girlfriend. First response to Chelsea by Sean Matthew, pretty simple. Most of those are examples of what people did, not what God told them to do. You won't find a place in the Bible where God calls the perversions good. Also, the descriptions on your sheet are skewed in multiple places to the context they are derivative of. For instance, read the first one. As per the ones that come from the law, the prisoner of war one says, if you want to marry one of the women, don't just rip her up and scrump her, allow her to lament her family, give her time. And also, it says don't take advantage of her, or sell her into slavery. Pretty easy. Other one from the law, the rape one, says, if you find someone sleeping with a chick out of marriage, then he can't just scrump her and leave her defiled, as she would be seen in this culture. Rather, he has to marry her, and there is no option for divorce. He pledges his life to her care, and loving her. Pretty bad, huh? This is a silly caricature, good for laws alone. And as, for the marrying your girlfriend thing, I really don't care if you do. Do what you want. The church isn't going to marry you, because the Bible says no. But, you're not part of the church. If you submit yourself to the church, then I will firmly say no. But, you're not part of the church, so it's silly to complain that the church won't marry you against its values. It's like I complained about the no drinks on the tennis court rule over at the country club, when I'm not even part of the country club. Response to Sean's comment by Scott Scruel, love it Sean. The church is not the legal system, for good or for bad. Gay marriage is simply a state's rights issue. There are several states that have okayed the civil union and recognized gay marriage. Either wait for your state to get on board or relocate to a forward-thinking state that has made the switch. Get married. Be happy. Rebuttal to Sean's response by Chelsea Townley, even though I think this was originally created to critique the current governmental policies on marriage, I meant it as a question about biblical policies on marriage. 
You say the church won't marry me, because that's against its values. But I'm confused as to why two people in a loving, egalitarian, committed relationship of the same sex is against its values, while the power dynamics of a man taking multiple wives or a rapist marrying his victim is supported textually. As far as not being part of the club, there are plenty of homosexual couples who find resolving their love of their partner and their connection to their congregation to be a lifelong struggle. Why isn't Christianity inclusive toward these couples? Response to Chelsea's rebuttal by Jared Taylor. Chelsea can you give me an example of anyone in the Christian church who practices polygamy or can you show me at any time where the church has endorsed any of those practices? Truth is you can't, and that is for good reason. Israel was a society as well as a religious people group. The church has never and never will adopt the laws of Israel proper as rules of faith and practice. We differentiate between moral and civil laws in the Bible. That's why graphs like the one you showed are so amusing and get such a bland response. Polygamy has never been commanded in the Bible and is always shown as a piss poor way to go from Genesis onward. Let's look at the laws concerning the raped woman. In the ancient Mediterranean world, if a woman was raped she was considered defiled. You know who marries that girl almost no one. Which means she either has a rich daddy or she is looking at a lifetime of prostitution. That law was in place to deter rape. If a man knew he had to marry the woman he was going to take he would think twice, although not always so as in the case of David's son and his sister in Samuel. Now you may not like that, but the bottom line is that in the ancient Mediterranean women had no rights, and oftentimes slaves had more rights than wives did, using Old Testament marriage allowances and restrictive laws is the wrong road to travel. Let's take the slave wife for instance. Is it better for a female slave to be passed around at will or to be bound to a marriage where she must be cared for and respected, as Hebrew law would command? Now you may push that slavery itself is a bad thing, and I agree however I will say this Jesus made it clear when the Pharisees asked if they could divorce their wives for any reason that Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of the men's hearts, but in the beginning it was not so. Which means that in the Old Testament you actually find laws and regulations meant to restrain the evil of man and protect the rights of the woman, which you do not find anywhere else in the ancient world. Slavery as well had many regulations put on it, the greatest one of these was that every seven years all debts and slaves were to be released. It was called Jubilee, look it up all debts cancelled, all slaves loosed every seven years. No other society in the world had that kind of law. I could go on and on the point is that these things are not supported textually for the church. That's why you don't see a lot of Christian polygamist up there. It's also why we eat bacon and don't throw our wives out the camp when they menstruate or stone people for adultery act. The Bible is actually a bit more comprehensive and complex than all that. Response to everyone, like Kelsey Lee, I don't understand why the gay marriage debate has ever been framed in religious terms. 
marriage an institute of Christianity, but Christianity is not the exclusive institute of marriage. I'm ordained, and with some easily obtained marriage documents, I can marry an 18-year-old Hawaiian belle up to an 81-year-old Latvian immigrant on top of a mountain made of tires and pigs blood-soaked department store mannequins in a ritual consisting entirely of screaming like holler monkeys, spinning around in circles holding power drills and praying to the goddess Tokitalia, lord of inflamed nipples, if I so choose. And not a civil union or anything silly like that, but a real, legally binding marriage. The only requirement is that is, is between a man and a woman. So, if marriage is purely political, the debate about whether to allow gay marriage should be framed in purely political terms. The definition of what marriage is in America has already gone through myriad changes in the past hundred years, and there were people crying about the sanctity of marriage every step of the way. One thing I find irritating to the max is when anyone who cares about gay marriage insists that it is the church's responsibility to open their doors to the gay community. The fuck it is. I believe that there is no excuse for not legalizing gay marriage, but there is also no excuse for infringing on the sanctity of Christian marriage. Demanding that the church change its sacred policies to fit your own needs is just as volatile and insulting as demanding that a gay person change the things they hold dear. If you oppose gay marriage, don't have one. If you oppose Christian practices and ideology, don't become a Christian. Live and let live, I say. Response to Kelsey and Chelsea by Sean Matthew. Well, Jared definitely elaborated effectively, as I did accidentally omit the slave one. And Kelsey, I think your post is pretty sweet, also. Nonetheless, However, I'm a little confused on whether you did read my response. You said you say the church won't marry me because that's against its values. But I'm confused as to why two people in a loving, egalitarian, committed relationship of the same sex is against its values, while the power dynamics of a man taking multiple wives or a rapist marrying his victim is supported textually. But I already pointed out that it was not supported. At this point you would have to prove that it is biblically commendable. You also said, as far as not being part of the club, there are plenty of homosexual couples who find resolving their love of their partner and their connection to their congregation to be a lifelong struggle. Why isn't Christianity inclusive toward these couples? The club is about people who are effectively looking into the gospel of Christ with joy, and yearning to know him better, to be sanctified into his image, etc. The biblical institution of marriage is devised quite specifically in order to reflect the relationship of Christ with the church, and to glorify God in doing that. The homosexual model is incapable of fulfilling that marital role, and subsequently incapable of glorifying God. Plus, the Bible specifically says no. I have friends that are gay, I love them, and I'm not part of the God Hates Fags Cleep, Westboro Baptist Church, or the downtown preachers at Belchere. I'm not going to beat them up for being gay. I'm not going to make fun of them for being gay. 
If they become a Christian, and continue in it, I will tell them that they need to repent, just as I would tell someone who is living and sleeping with his girlfriend that he needs to repent. The Bible says that is wrong also. So, I'm not sure what you're bothered by. If you decide to become a Christian and say, as Paul said, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. I'm not saying that repentance would be easy, but if he is truly your treasure, it is worth it. If Christ isn't valuable to you, though I hope that someday he will be, then you shouldn't be bothered by his teachings, you're going to reject them anyways. Add-on by Sean Matthew, sorry, wanted to direct everything after nonetheless to Chelsea, but I forgot to make that distinction, sorry Kelsey. Rebuttal to Jared's response by Chelsea Townley, Jared, from what I understand, the regulations against homosexuality may have been because of the difficulty of getting a child to survive in the ancient world, as were the regulations against things like masturbation. So now, since we've advanced enough that childbirth and rearing are significantly more successful, at least in this country, could the church's perspective on homosexuality not be updated the way it has about rape victims? Sean, I suppose it depends on the difference between supported and described. I always thought Genesis 30 had implied support from God for Jacob and the four women that bore his children, since the children are described as gifts from God and answers to the family's prayers. In terms of homosexuality being biblically condemned, I've heard many arguments about the few passages that seem to condemn it not really being about a healthy homosexual relationship at all. For example, in the case of Sodom, this is the sin of Sodom, she and her suburbs had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not help or encourage the poor and needy. They were arrogant and this was abominable in God's eyes, Ezekiel 16,48-49. In terms of the alleged homosexual acts in Sodom, they were acts of rape and dehumanization, not consensual affection. For Leviticus, the Hebrew word translated as abomination, Todah, are behaviors that the people of Israel found distasteful, not something horrifying to God. Plus, from what I understand, Paul highlighted the freedom from Leviticus's holiness code in Galatians 3,22-25. In terms of what a Christian marriage is supposed to look like, I suppose I do need more information. All the same, I'm not entirely sure why homosexuals can't glorify God. Response to Chelsea's rebuttal by Hannah Mays Harris Matthew, okay, here's some scripture. The very first marriage, before the fall of man, before sin, was between a man and a woman. Genesis 2,22-24 Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, 
and they will become one flesh. We are made in the image of God Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. We are created in the image of God, and when we get married, we make a covenant with God. Here is a verse or two that very clearly state what a Christian marriage is. Sorry, they are a bit meaty, but you asked. Hebrews 13 4-7 Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Ephesians 5,21-32 Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ as the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church. I think that, if God condoned gay marriage it would be very clear. It's not. This is very specifically talking about marriage between a man and a woman. If you look at the above verses and look at the verses about homosexuality, I think it makes it pretty clear that homosexuality does not glorify God. Romans 1,26-27 Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. It is clearly specified as unnatural relations. Kelsey brings up a valid point though. Why are you fighting so hard on this? I couldn't get married at a Unitarian Universalist church, because I'm a Christian, but you don't see everyone in an uproar about it. While in that circumstance it's extremely hypocritical to call themselves Unitarian Universalists, they have the right to say no to someone who doesn't share their belief. You're not a Christian, and although that makes me sad, I can't do anything about it. So do what you want. You're mad because you don't want to conform but you're asking us to. It's hypocritical. 
also, this is why there is a separation of church and state. Add on by Hannah Mays Harris Matthew, Chelsea, in case you were put off by how long it is, I did actually say something other than posting five verses. Response to Hannah, by Chelsea Timmons, no, it's just midterms so I have very little time, p. Add on by Chelsea Timmons, also, I don't mean, that I think you should have to accept homosexual relationships into your congregation. I personally don't care all that much, although I find the lived experiences of many gay Christians to be unsettling, I think that's a separate topic than theory. It's more that I'm intrigued about the way that marriage is conceptualized in Christianity, with the whole God, slash, Christ, as love, but then it seems like a lot of marriage is about power. I'm just generally confounded. More to come after my article review. Response to Chelsea, by Jared Taylor. Chelsea, I'm out of town but will answer you, when I get back. Add on by Jared Taylor. Chelsea, you said Jared. From what I understand, the regulations against homosexuality may have been because of the difficulty of getting a child to survive in the ancient world, as were the regulations against things like masturbation. So now, since we're advanced enough that childbirth and rearing are significantly more successful, at least in this country, could the church's perspective on homosexuality not be updated the way it has about rape victims? Okay first we have to play things up a bit, when there are no regulations about masturbation, there is one verse in chant about Judas son spilling his seed on the ground, but that is in the context of him having sex with his brother's widow and refusing to give her an heir, but still sleeping with her. He gets killed for taking advantage of the woman not for spilling his seed. This verse has been used by some over the years to say masturbation is bad. While it is bad because of where the heat goes during the act, unless you can think of flowers and butterflies or your spouse MO, it is not forbidden by God. 2. The argument that homosexuality being regulated because of child rearing is highly unlikely and has to deny the magical properties pagan cultures attributed to the act and practice of homosexual practice, plus homosexual practice in Israel carried a sentence of death where other aberrant sexual practices that could affect offspring survival such as incest carry a penalty of banishment. More than likely law regarding homosexual practice had more to do with the ancient link to the occult and that God made man and woman in his image, and that he intended for men and women to join together in a relationship that gives glory to his true nature. 3. The Church, Old and New Testament saints have always said rape was wrong. Please do not ignore what I wrote above. The laws for rape were deterrent, not permissive. Never did the Hebrew culture think rape was okay. I refer you to the end of the book of Judges in which the tribe of Benjamin is almost totally destroyed for raping and murdering a woman. The Irelites are astounded at the tribe's behavior and exclaim nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. We have not updated our view of whether or not rape is acceptable only that rapists now go to prison instead of have to care for their victim. 
Your view of this law is too simple and you are understandably not taking into account what the cultural differences are that would make this law very much a deterrent. The man who rapes would have to be publicly shamed, pay a good-sized dowry, and no doubt would be watched like a hawk on his treatment of the woman by her father and his family. He in a real sense will pay for the rest of his life, never truly be accepted again by his community, never really be autonomous again, and must truly care for the woman he shamed or face terrible repercussions. Now I know, that may not seem perfect to you, but in some ways it is superior to our own laws about rape, if you account for culture and history. Nowhere else in the world had a law so liberal and designed to care for the woman and her image, as clean, despite what had been done. With that being said, no we cannot update you are not taking into account that the church will also not accept polygamist, practicing adulterers practicing fornicators, pedophiles, which also was a hugely acceptable practice in the pagan world, and a whole host of other things. I understand the whole issue of homosexual Christians having a hard time being accepted by their congregation, just like many heterosexual Christians who live with their girlfriends have trouble being accepted by their congregations. Contrary to popular belief we Christians happen to like sex. We think God made it and intends for us to thoroughly enjoy it. We simply believe that the only context for that part of our lives is in a covenant relationship with our counterparts. This is not rocket science, and you don't have to agree, however you should accept that it is not a backwater review, as many make it out to appear. Lastly the sin of Sodom was all kinds of things, but I find it interesting that no one ever mentions the actual story of Sodom's destruction when this issue is being defended. Chen says all the men of Sodom came out to rape the three men who came to Lot's house. Not only that, but when Lot refused to give them up, the men tried to take them by force. Also just for giggles, Jesus says to Capernaum a Jewish city that it will be more tolerable on the last day for Sodom than for them for if the works that he had done there had been done in Sodom they would have repented. Which means to the Christian it is more tolerable to be a homosexual rapist than a self-righteous religious or irreligious person who refuses to admit their need for God's forgiveness and salvation. I wish Westboro Baptist could see that. For the record I'm the worst sinner I know, the Hebrew word, for abominations would only refer to what Hebrews found distasteful, if it were not the God of the Hebrews speaking, when the law is given, only a far left scholar would even try to claim that and would not be taken very seriously by the rest of the community. Please do keep in mind that homosexuality is on the side of abominations right behind rebellion and being a drunk. Coincidentally the church should also not accept unrepentant alcoholics one of which I used to be. I hope this finds you well and that your article review goes well. What is Mabin's closing of part one of this debate? I'm really surprised by how long this thread has been alive. I'm going to split the debate into two or more parts. So let me say this, as I'm closing this MP3, I'm so happy that not only this debate has been successful but all of the debates on this thread. 
I make these MP3s and transcripts of these debates so I can come back and listen to slash read about a thread that has passed. Also, someone who has waited until the thread is dead and said that they didn't say something can be proved lying simply by going back and reading slash listening to this another MP3s of debates that I have made. Let me explain to you quickly why this MP3 is closing. The reason why is because I don't want a huge MP3 on my hands when I could just have several smaller parts. Anyway part 1 is complete. To continue, please listen to part 2. Thank you all for listening to this MP3. This file was made with journal version 3 beta.